Welcome to episode 169 of the MCU Fan Show. My name is Sean Gerber. On this episode, we'll be discussing the legacy of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which aired its final episode last week. Before the fun starts, remember to follow us at MCU Fan Show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Also, if you can help us out by rating and reviewing the show on Apple Podcasts, we would greatly appreciate it. And one quick announcement this Friday, if you've heard the episode by then, August 21st at 6 p.m. Pacific time, we are going to be having a watch party for Ant-Man and the Wasp to commemorate its arrival on Disney+. Plus. That's going to be exclusive to our Patreon Discord, and you can sign up for that at patreon.com slash Sean Gerber, S-E-A-N-G-E-R-B-E-R. And now, getting to the business at hand, let me welcome back the one and only Paul Herman. How you doing, Paul? I am doing very, very well, Sean. Thank you. It's been um, it's been an end of an era for me. I started a new job. Uh, it's been kind of crazy. 2020, we talked about before we started recording. It's been quite the year, but uh, it has. But no, but uh, but I, at the same time, I've been just you know reading a lot of comics lately, uh, a, lot, a little bit more than I probably usually have, and it's just been a lot of fun. Um, kind of going through reading a lot of older Marvel books that I've been, I've been meaning to kind of get to and just having a lot of fun, just kind of diving in. And, and that's kind of the thing about Marvel. And I think a lot of these IPs or brands or whatever, which I hate saying those words, by the way, but, <laughs> but it, what's a lot of fun is that when you, if you're a fan, listen to the show or, you know, watch the films, you know, there's just this big plethora of stuff to deep dive into, whether it be the comics or the, or the cartoons. And for me, it's, you know, most of it's the comics, but there's also the cartoons and, and other stuff too. But there's so much to dive into, you know, different, you know, mythologies or, or just histories and you immerse yourself in anything of, of Marvel. And it's just so rad that we get in this day and age that we can do that. You know, back in the day, you had to like go to the comic store and, you know, spend all this time and, and money and, and just be intimidated. But now it's just, you know, really just kind of ask a few people, where do I go? Or where, where do I start or whatever? And you just kind of go and kind of figure things out as you go. And it's, it's just so cool. We could, we can do that. So yeah, it's been really cool going through. And I mean, like I said, I've been reading a ton of Marvel stuff lately and some DC stuff too. But, uh, but yeah, like it's just been rad just kind of going through is reading a crap load of comics, just making my life. That's, that and my daughter has been making my life feel real good. So, uh, yeah, but not, not too bad. A lot of transitions, but lots of comic reading, hanging out with my daughter. Not bad. Not bad. Yeah, it doesn't sound bad at all. Exactly. So, and congrats on the new gig. Oh, so uh, this week, what we're going to be doing is focusing on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We also have some questions, uh, some listener questions that I reached out to all of you on Instagram for. Another great reason to follow at MCU Fan Show on Instagram is you never know when I might ask you to submit questions for the next episode of the podcast. That happened, and we have some of those which we will answer as we go along. But getting into Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I know that... And we will address the continuity, the canon of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as it relates to the MCU proper. We're going to talk about that as we uh, as we address the series. And, and I'll also talk about that as we get toward the finale. And I address that episode at the very uh, as we get toward the end of this. But I also wanted to, even though it's it's debatable how canon the show is with the MCU proper, it definitely started out that way where it was the idea behind it was for it to be part of that whole it's all connected with Marvel television. And I still think the show has, regardless of how canon it is or isn't with the MCU, I feel like it's an important enough show 
that was a, a really great success story, I think, for Marvel Television and deserves to kind of have a, a bit of a send off here on this podcast. Not that this podcast is like the greatest send off that you can give a show, but uh, it is a show that I've watched every week, every new episode. I've followed the show for all seven of its seasons, all 136 episodes. And as a fan of the show, I definitely wanted to make sure that we paid at least some tribute to it in the form of an episode talking about its legacy now that it has come to an end. But I want to go all the way back to the beginning of the show first, because we're coming up on the seventh anniversary of the series premiere, which was in September of 2013. And I just remember at that time how much excitement there was around the series because we were still kind of in the afterglow of the Avengers, which had come out, of course, a year before or a little more than a year before in, with 2012. But we knew not long after the Avengers that we were going to get a S.H.I.E.L.D. series featuring Clark Gregg as Agent Coulson. There was the whole Coulson Lives campaign on social media, which in the one time that Kevin Feige acknowledged Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Marvel Studios president and Marvel Chief Creative Officer Kevin Feige, not maybe not the only time, but certainly the biggest public endorsement of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. he gave was, I think it was like a New York Comic Con or something like that, um, as you had pointed out previously on an episode of the podcast, because you remembered it even when I didn't, like there was something, I think we had like a Colson Lives shirt or something, and he acknowledged the movement. And then it was yes. really more about Clark Gregg and Joss Whedon as a creator on the series, although the showrunners were uh, Marissa Tancheren, Jed Whedon, and Jeffrey Bell. But it kind of was this thing that that grew from almost nothing. And that's part of why there was exciting, there was so much excitement around it, is it felt like it was a product that was really driven by the fans and just the demand for more of this world, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which now a lot more people were on board with after the Avengers. And there was this character of Phil Coulson who was, I mean, interesting enough, and he got to say Strategic Homeland Intervention in Enforcement and Logistics Division, like he got to spell out S.H.I.E.L.D. in Iron Man. And so he was kind of that guy. And he was as Clark Gregg says, he was the glue. He was the connective tissue in phase one of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, connecting the movies, appearing in Iron Man, Iron Man 2, as well as Thor, and then showing up again, of course, in the Avengers. And to have that character meet what was his end at the time in Avengers, uh, when Loki got him in the before the Battle of New York on the helicarrier, it seemed like it was all over for this guy. And then this movement happened where all of a sudden now there's going to be a show that's built around him and built around this organization that is S.H.I.E.L.D. And going into it, I could not have been more excited about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because I love the MCU. I love S.H.I.E.L.D. from the comic books. And so the idea of a TV show that on a weekly basis could just dive deeper into things that maybe wouldn't make the cut for the movies, that was a really exciting prospect. And I felt very excited about that even after the season premiere. I remember doing a podcast about it, thinking that this was a really great pilot episode for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And just thinking, OK, we're in this world now and I can't wait to explore it. And it looks like this show is going to do that. Questionable results as the show continued on in the very first season. But I don't think there's really much denying going into this, Paul, that there was a lot of excitement around this show. Absolutely. I, I, we did our show. I, I don't remember what show it was, whether it be Modern Myth Media. We or... created a new series for it, like Modern Myth Media Television Edition. Like oh, that's we were right. Yeah. So oh, we kind of had a, a spinoff podcast that, oh, yeah. I mean, it wasn't just Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It was like Arrow. Yeah, and like, Arrow, yeah. Because we were getting that, a yeah. lot more like superhero or superhero based television at the time. 
If we um, only knew, Sean. But Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was, I mean, it was a big deal seven years ago. I think at the time, it was a big deal because we there wasn't a lot of connective tissue in between the, the movie and the films. And it definitely felt, or excuse me, the movie and the, the television show, television side. And at the time, we, with Joss Whedon's involvement, and everything, you know, obviously Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. also was a play off of the short item 47. I believe it was item 47 from the uh, mm-hmm. short uh, the Avengers movie and which I love, by the way, that was fantastic. Yeah. And so you you knew that there was, again, connectivity again with 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 Coulson saying, you know, Coulson lives shirt. Joss Whedon basically direct or not. Basically, he directed the pilot. Right. It. There definitely was a lot to be excited about because this was the first time we were going to have some kind of connective tissue between the television side and the movie side. So there was a lot to be excited about because Avengers obviously was huge and Coulson was, a you know, a, a, a breakout character of the MCU at that time. I mean, let's face it. How many other newer characters has uh, the MCU created that's kind of transcended into the comic books? Right. Or anything like that. No one. I mean, as of right now. And again, I'm not saying there won't there will not be. But I mean, there are characters who've been elevated by the MCU and taken on more prominent roles in the comics. Nebula would be a great example of that. But as far as created in the MCU to go on to have, you know, be a more prominent character throughout because for Coulson, it's not even just comic books. I mean, animation, like he's yeah. a main character in like the Ultimate Spider-Man Principal. <laughs> uh, series on. Yeah. Principal Coulson on Ultimate Spider-Man on Disney XD. Like this is definitely a character that was kind of born of the MCU and really took off. Yeah, there was there was a lot to be excited about. And I and for me, when I when I watched it, it wasn't it wasn't like this, this thing where I thought it was you know flawless. I mean, it definitely had a TV feel to it, but. It was cool because we obviously got kind of an introduction to basically the first thing of Deathlock mm-hmm. and which we got that later in the season. And I kind of thought it was interesting how they were incorporating different things of the MCU um, as the season went on. Now, if you ever if I'm not even sure, sure if those shows are still available, but if you listen to those old shows, I I started to get it critical based on just the fact that there, there wasn't enough embracing of the comic book aesthetic in general. Right. And that would obviously change over the years. But that was my, you know, to me, that was st- they were still kind of playing around. Well, we can't be a comp- completely superhero show, because if we do that, people will think it's dumb. Even though the Avengers was this giant hit, you know, they didn't want to. They were still playing. It's a little too safe, in my opinion, because they were still uh, t- pretty much introducing characters like um, uh, what's his name? One uh, absorbing man for one. He's yep. one of them. One of the characters they introduced, Victoria Hand, another comic book character. Um, uh, gra- is it wait, Graviton? Is it Graviton? I think it's Graviton. Yeah. He, they introduced basically him. Uh, not, I don't think they ever came back and, re- and went back to him. They just showed that they he, did, he, but not with that version of the character. Okay. See, I I don't remember. Yeah. So, or I didn't see that part, side yeah, of it. So, so there was, you know, there spoiler were alert on of- that. That ended up being Talbot. Are you freaking kidding me? That's what happened. Oh, <laughs> ah. see, see, this is my problem. Like, why? No, actually, I think it, it did. I see that. I think that does sound familiar. It kind of made sense within the context of the show. Um, 
So I, 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 vaguely, I vaguely remember this now. That you, that yeah, you tell me. it it happened. Um, but that's way off into the future of the show. You know, way beyond the the right. beginning of it. But I think where the show struggled early on, because I remember that I can remember us being really, really excited after the premiere because it was definitely TV budget, TV style. It wasn't looking like the MCU movies, but it was in that world and it was exciting. And, you know, it ends with uh, Clark Gregg as Coulson and Chloe Bennett, who was Sky at the time, and then Daisy Johnson slash Quake eventually on the show. But I remember, of course, it ends with Coulson and, and Sky flying off in with Lola with the car, um, which, of course, kind of sets up a moment at the end of the finale. But it's really <laughs> I remember being so excited about that. And then I just what I also remember, though, is kind of week to week because we were reviewing every episode because we had this Modern Myth Media television podcast. And it just felt like for on a week to week basis for the next several weeks, we were just kind of liking the show a little less and less. Um, and I, I think where it was really struggling, and I don't know, I, I can't even say this is entirely the show's fault because where I, I think it was, it came up against were the constraints of being part of this universe because it's like you're in the universe, but you're only allowed to do so much in the universe because the big events and the big characters have to be saved for the movies. So for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., there was this kind of push and pull of what exactly is this show and what role is it going to be allowed to play in the larger structure of the MCU? And so it started out like this will be the spy show. This is the show about the spies at S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, so it's not really about the superheroes. It's about characters who kind of operate around the superheroes. And there were varying degrees of success with that early on. Like, And some of that was maybe a little more fun when it was tying directly into the MCU. For example, the week the episode aired when there were, when Thor the Dark World was in theaters, they had an episode that was set around Asgard and it was part of the fall. It was picking up from the fallout of the battle in London at the end of Thor the Dark World. So it was playing with some of that stuff and, and it was a little bit of fun, but it also felt like the only time the show was really fun is when it was kind of working very, very, very closely off of the movies. It wasn't really establishing enough of its own identity going mm-hmm. on. Yeah. But then where it really picked up in season one and that, but this again is, is part of the problem with the show um, or not so much problem, but the constraints that the show was, was up against here is you have a show that's called agents of shield. It's built around this organization shield from Marvel comics. That's been around for decades. And so the idea is that, and I'm sure this was the idea going into the show, which is that we have this organization called S.H.I.E.L.D. that is pretty much ever-present in Marvel Comics, and we've introduced it in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Therefore, this organization, won't it be ever-present in the MCU, kind of like it is in the comic books? Not so fast, because Mm. within the first season of this show, on the back half of the first season, in April 2014... There's a movie called Captain America, the Winter Soldier that completely dismantles the titular organization of this series. And so which (laughs) made for really exciting episodes, by the way. I mean, you mentioned Victoria Hand being in those episodes. Bill Paxton as John Garrett as the antagonist coming out of that. And the turn with Brett Dalton as Grant Ward, who was just, I mean, really dry in the first several episodes. But now it's like, okay. 
he's an agent. Uh, he's an agent of Hydra, not an agent of Shield. So his villain turn was really, really great for the show. And Bill Paxton as John, the legend Bill Paxton as John Garrett was really great on the show. So it definitely picked up in the back half of season one, even though in some ways, like it, but a lot of it makes sense though in hindsight, like they could only do so much because everything was about to be torn apart before the Mm -hmm. first season was over. So all of a sudden the holding pattern that the show seemed to be in in the first season made a lot more sense. And then of course everything happened and, it's still kind of weird to be in an unfortunate position to be in where this is a show about S.H.I.E.L.D. and now S.H.I.E.L.D. is gone before the end of the first season. But it did make for some really dramatic and entertaining episodes. The problem, though, I, I think from an audience perspective is at this point when they finally did that in the back half of season one, a lot of people had already checked out and did not check back in. Yes. And, you know, I, I think there are plenty of people who are maybe listening to this right now. And to be clear, I don't blame anyone. If you watched several episodes of a show in the first season and it did not impress you, and so you you gave up on it and you never went back to it, I can't say it's it's people's fault for not going back to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. If the first half of season one lost you and you just never felt motivated to go back, I get it. I stuck it out because of the whole it's all connected thing. And I was and we didn't really have a lot of Marvel shows at the time. So I was willing to give it as many chances as possible. And so I was sticking it out long enough to get to the shield, the fall of shield in the back half of season one. And then all of this, all of a sudden, the show was really good and really entertaining, of course, going into season two. Um, but yeah, I, I remember that feeling like it did feel like a shot in the arm at the time that the show really needed. Like, here's here's something that here's a major thing happening in the MCU and this uh, this gives us an opportunity with this series to really explore it. And it was fun exploring that in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. toward the end of that first season. Yeah, there, there was a lot going on in that first season. And it, it felt like, I, even though it, it definitely took a little bit to kind of get the its bearings, mm-hmm. it, I felt it did end on a, on a better level. And I, and I have to say, I really enjoyed that second season. The second season for me was... It, it, it felt like you said with Winter Soldier and everything, it felt that well, that's still um, season one. But yeah, back half of that season. Well, right. Yeah. Back half of season one. I thought it really picked up. And then I thought I thought the second season was a great. It felt like the second season was kind of elevating itself into not, maybe not necessarily impacting the films, but maybe it was headed that direction. And they just had some really cool characters like, like Kyle McLaughlin's character as Daisy's dad was just He's one. He's one of my favorite characters in in the whole series. Yeah, he was phenomenal. Like, and it felt like they needed to get more actors like him mm-hmm. uh, to play these characters because, like, he just he ate it up, man. And or at least write characters that are that good. And just again, kind of knew what they were in, like already for. Like again, like Kyle knew he was in like a, a superhero TV show. Like he's you know he kind of hammed it up a little bit, and it was perfect. Right. Uh. So. It just felt like they were they were treading on this thing of we're on so many different things like we're we're a part of the MCU we're not part of the MCU we're our superhero show we're kind of a spy show it, it you can do one or the other and you can kind of embrace both and kind of blend them together but it felt the opposite it felt like they didn't know which direction they wanted to go in and right. I really liked the second season because it embraced so many different you know things from the Marvel universe like the Inhumans again the fact that you know Hydra 
Um, I forgot what's the name of, of what's her name's character that she was in Preacher. She was phenomenal in that and in, in, in that show as well. Um, yeah, Ruth oh, Nega is the actress, and uh, yeah, she, I just remember she was she, introduced as the girl in the flower dress, and I don't know why I'm not remembering her name right now, but I'll get it. Is, I'll pull it. it, Rita? I'll pull it was up. it Rita? I it might have been. Let's see. Uh, yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but she was fantastic. Raina, Raina. I don't know why. Was, yeah, it's been been a while since she's been on the show, but yeah, she was a great character. She, she was killed her off. And you should, he should have kept her. I mean, granted, she was doing other things. That's probably why they had to kill her off, maybe. But either way, throw some money at this lady because I think, especially when she became an inhuman, that was cool. That's the stuff they should have embraced. And I felt like um, when I jumped off, I think it was season four, three. I forgot which one. I you saw off. Ghost Rider, right? Yeah. But you didn't four? see the framework when they were kind of no, living it was in... right out. Okay, yeah, then yeah, yeah, then you jumped off, you know, midway through season four. But I agree with you that season two... Season two is where they, I think they struck the right balance. Season two exactly. is where they still had some of the spy show going on, but it was in a completely different format now because they had to be S.H.I.E.L.D. while S.H.I.E.L.D. didn't exist. And they also found a way to have a little bit of a a, a superhero thing going on. Like they, they introduced the Inhumans into the MCU, or so we thought at the time. I mean, the the Inhumans still have not been actually introduced in the MCU proper. They're nowhere to be found in the movies as of yet. But I, I think that that felt like, but that was the thing where it, it kind of energized S.H.I.E.L.D. And I agree with you that Kyle MacLachlan as Calvin, Daisy's dad, he was great. But I mean, I wasn't surprised to see him come in there and just have an absolute blast being in a comic book show. Because I mean, he handed up in Twin Peaks, so it's not like uh, you know, it's not like this was unfamiliar territory for him. So good, Twin Peaks, and God, so so he just, I mean, he was just rocking it and, and having the best time. And I think they were overall with Agents of Shield throughout its run. I mean, they were able to have some pretty great guest stars. I mean, Edward James Olmos, Powers Booth as Gideon Malik, kind of reprising the role from the World Se- uh, World Security Council. Oh, I forgot about that. that yeah, we saw solid, yeah. uh, we saw him in for uh, for the Avengers, and so they had a lot of power players coming into Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. With all of this, it just kind of becomes the, it was just too late for a lot of people who had already given up on the show because, I mean, it had a pretty strong rating in the season premiere, but the ratings just kind of leveled, they just kind of dropped and dropped and dropped until they finally leveled off at an area that wasn't necessarily making Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. among the most watched shows on television, but at least it was being watched by enough people that it could Mm -hmm. last. And, And that's one more you know, qualifier I would throw out there is even though we're talking about people having given up on the show and and that being understandable, there's still no question that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. goes down as a successful television show. You don't get seven seasons and not be a successful television show. You just Mm -hmm. can't. Those two things don't work. So it lasted for seven seasons because it was a successful show. That's why they got to keep making it. Was it a triumphant success like we've seen on the movie side? Absolutely not but it was still a successful program. And so with season two, that was where it felt like it got to take on a little bit more of its own identity by introducing the Inhumans. And that felt very relevant because we knew what Marvel Comics was doing at the time. Uh, This is, by the time we get to season two, it's over the 2014, 2015 television season. And so as you get into those, as you get into that time frame. We know what Marvel Comics is doing with by adding more Inhumans into the comics, but we also saw something else. October twenty uh, October twenty fourteen, 
the El Capitan event with Kevin Feige announcing phase three in humans was mm. a movie that got announced there. Now it never got made, yep. but it got announced. So the, uh, the thought at the time was, Oh, in humans is a thing that's happening in the MCU and agents of shield is laying the groundwork for it. Yeah. And so we were paying very close attention to that and thinking this was a huge deal. And it was a huge deal relevant to the show. It just didn't end up being a huge deal anywhere else. But <laughs> it still it still worked with the inhuman angle in the show. Like a, a lot of that stuff was, yeah. uh, I, I thought was really, really good. But um, it's it still like, it, so the show was getting better and it was getting more entertaining. Unfortunately, there weren't as many people paying attention to it at that point. But one other thing, uh, you know, one point I would start to make here as well is that as the show got to, to take on more of its own identity and not worry as much about how it was tying into the movies, it got better. And I think there are a lot of reasons for that. Yeah. I, it, one of the things for me, I quit watching, not because I thought it was bad. I just kind of lost interest and I just got behind and I just, it got so, I got so far behind that it just got too much for me to want to go and, 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 and watch it, especially once it was confirmed that, or not even confirmed. It just, it, it, it became more obvious that this yeah. was not really a part of the MCU. And same thing with Jessica Jones season three. I have, I keep forgetting that even exists. I don't even know if I finished season two. And, you know, for me, there wasn't, once I found out the Netflix, that the Netflix stuff was gone. I just lost interest in finishing a lot of the TV series. There was not really a lot of investment because even though I love Marvel and I grew up reading, you know, the comic books and I read the comics on a regular basis all the time. And I love these characters and I love the universe. The shows are still like 45 minutes long, you know, at least. Right. And that's, a, that's a good chunk of my, of my time of my, of sure. you know, this before I had, I had a kid, but still I'm like, I'm not going to want to spend a bunch of time on something that, I don't really love Agents of Shield's characters. They're, they're again, they're not like if it was a Spider-Man show, I'd be watching the hell out of it. But it wasn't, and that's the thing is that you know it wasn't Daredevil. I mean, even if Daredevil got crappy reviews, I'd still watch it because I freaking love Daredevil. It's one of my favorite right. Marvel characters. I mean, I still love the Ben Affleck movie for God's sakes. I'll defend that movie to like day <laughs> I die. But yeah, my, my point is, you know, I still haven't seen Elektra. I've never seen that movie. So, I mean, there's, which I, I do need to see that one day. I don't know that you do, but I mean, I've seen it. Uh, I, 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 know, I know what you're saying. I mean, it, for it, the it, sake of saying you've seen it, sure. Um, yes, other than that, I don't know. But see, that's one movie, though. It's only two hours. It's two hours of like yeah. one time in my life that I can do. Whereas if I wanted to finish Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., that is a undertaking. Yeah. It's not just a, a fun afternoon or a fun evening where I have a few whiskeys and, and can laugh at it with my friends or whatever, like with agents, agents of shield and Jessica Jones season three or whatever. I'd have to actually sit down and actually like, you know, take time or like read. Something. It's just not, it's, it became not worth it for me. It yeah. wasn't, the show was bad. It just wasn't worth it enough for me to invest in. Cause again, if it embraced the superhero side a lot more than it did, it, it started to towards the end, obviously a little bit more, right. but if it had, if it was a little bit more than that, then I probably would be, you know, paying attention more because it wasn't. And I just didn't really feel that there was nothing to really invest into it. And I think that's fair. I mean, look, you watched it for about three and a half seasons. So fair to say you gave it an opportunity to make 
an impression on you. And, and it did for a little while and it had successes for you, but ultimately wasn't enough to, to keep you invested enough to want to follow along with the show. And I think that, you know, it was easier to be invested at the beginning because it was the only Marvel show. But then as we talk about this second season, 2014, 2015, well, what arrives in 2015, the first season of daredevil. So now we're kind of thinking about this Marvel Netflix era and the excitement around that, because these are actual superheroes. And we're still thinking at this point that these are all characters that are going to be in the movies. You know, we're still thinking at this time, how are the Avengers going to find out that Coulson is still alive? And how are they going to react to that? And when is Daredevil, he's getting his own show, when is Daredevil going to pop up in the MCU? I mean, we're still very much in the idea of those things happening. And with the second season, with the Inhumans thing, it kind of felt like an efficient way to introduce it, to allow Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to have the Inhumans, but not do it in a way that would infringe upon or cover too much ground before we would get to it in the movies. Because the Inhumans, it was a very small thing in season two, relatively speaking. There weren't that many, and the Inhum most of the Inhumans who existed were in this secret area called Afterlife. They were in their own isolated territory that wasn't really being seen by the broader MCU. And so it just it was a way for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to establish some mythology of their own while also still having something that you know could be relevant to the MCU but didn't have to be immediately addressed in the MCU. But at the end of season two, it sets up a huge inhuman outbreak all over the world where random people are going to be are going to go through teragenesis and have their take on their inhuman form and have their inhuman powers and the idea here is okay now they've totally blown up this balloon and also agents of shield season two has a little handoff to avengers age of ultron they show how they discover the agents of shield gets to show how they discover the location of loki scepter as well as the helicarrier that nick fury uses in agents of shield not necessary information but fun little supplemental information that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. gets to provide in the MCU. So it still feels like there's this thing of, of continuity of canon that's tying the, the that's tying Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to the MCU. But then things start to come apart in 2015 because in the summer of 2015, we find out that Kevin Feige and Marvel Studios have been moved out from the rest of, out from the rest of Marvel Entertainment and they're now reporting directly to the Walt Disney Studios Meanwhile, Marvel Television is now is still part of Marvel Entertainment, the same division that oversees comics and everything else. Basically, everything that wasn't Marvel Studios stayed with Marvel in New York. Marvel Studios with Kevin Feige and the whole team, they went directly under the Walt Disney Studios, and it was a separate thing. And that was definitely, I think, whether or not Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. really had a meaningful place in the MCU was up for debate within the first two seasons, but it definitely wasn't going to have anything after that. And when I say stuff like that, it makes it seem like Kevin Feige and Marvel Studios were the big bads uh, behind Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and some of its struggles. And I don't I don't believe that. I think there are reasons why this recipe with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Marvel Studios, it was always going to be limited in terms of how well it could work. And Kevin Feige has even talked about that stuff in the past. And I agree with his logic. It checks out. When he, when he was asked about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and when he was asked about Daredevil and the rest of the Defenders showing up in the movies, 
he pointed out the reality of the situation, which is that TV shows are happening on an annual basis and they have so many more episodes and so many more hours of story and just they television and movies work off of completely different timetables. And so by the time Marvel decides how a movie is going to handle a character or incorporate a certain character, so many more hours of story for that character have already been written for that television show. So what you end up with is if you really want to have that happen, then the television shows just have to tread water, kind of like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was doing in season one, and that didn't exactly work. It wasn't really in the best interest of the Marvel movies or the television shows with the way that they were structured initially in order for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to really tie in a huge, in a big way into the MCU. And so once we had that Marvel split in 2015, we got into season three of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. where we did have the Inhuman outbreak that never really uh, played out in, in the movies. But that's okay because as I was saying, in the first two seasons, we already kind of noticed this trend. And then in season three, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. really stopped worrying at all about what it was doing relative to the MCU. They were just making their show based on the things they had established within their world, the characters and concepts they had established within their world that Marvel Studios was never going to touch. And so they just adopted their own identity and pursued that much more. And the show got a lot better. Season one was, I thought, okay in the first half and that got good in the second half of the season. Season two, I thought was a, a good season all around. But season three, I thought, was where the show really started getting great and really hitting its stride in a much bigger and more moving way that, that certainly made me more excited to see the show on a weekly basis in season three. And that led right into season four, where they had the ability to use the Robbie Ray as Ghostwriter as played wonderfully by Gabriel Luna. And the show was just really, really good. And it didn't matter to me anymore. Like, I didn't care. Even for me as an audience member, once I stopped worrying about the canon of it all, and just allowed this show to be what it was in its own space, just like the creators were doing. And Jed Whedon and Marissa Tanchelren and Jeffrey Bell, they've talked about that in interviews recently with the finale and everything wrapping up. And they've talked about how when they weren't as worried about the other stuff, that they had a lot more freedom to just tell the stories they wanted to tell and not worry about how it was going to tie into this movie that's coming out this month. They really had a lot more space to just tell their own stories as the show went on. And that was a huge part of the show getting better, uh, continuing to get better and better, better and better from season one to two to three to four to five. Yeah, there's I, I wish I, I could I could say that. And I, I, I have not followed along. I know there's been deaths of certain characters I've heard here or there. And but it, the one thing for me, Sean, that I have a hard time, it, the continuity is 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 whatever. I mean, it. it I will, I'd be lying to say if it didn't affect it at all, my 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 appreciation of the show. And that being said, I can like a show as long as it's giving me what I want. The problem is, and this was my complaint early on, and we've kind of already talked a, bit, a little bit about it, but it just did not it fully embrace being a Marvel show, and at least in my opinion. And a part of that is because of budgetary reasons, but it just, it did not embrace the superhero aspect. And that to me is ult ultimately why I could not just continue. I lost interest, got behind it, Cause it would, you know, again, you'd sprinkle the things like a Robbie Reyes ghostwriter in there. And 
imagine or, or again we were, we were going to get a hulu ghost rider tv show and then, then kevin came in and axed it which probably is maybe a, probably a great thing because it means yeah. ghost Rider's well, we don't know that he did that's that's an assumption on on fandom but it got canceled before he before we heard about him officially being becoming the chief creative officer that might have been a hulu decision we don't actually know on that one well i'm gonna say it probably was because I like to Might think have that been. Ghost Rider. Yeah, yeah, I think Ghost Rider has a, a, a better future than on Hulu, in my opinion. I think I he's a great character. So, so that with all that being said, there's there's not a lot of embracing. I mean, that, I remember when that happened, I was really excited. I'm like, oh yeah, this is great. You know, after season two and season three, they really are starting to you know embrace certain aspects of these. You know, not just the superheroes, but the mythology. Like you know, when they had Laura Lee from Asgard show up and Sif and mm-hmm. things like that. Like those are the things that they need to do to make Agents of Shield feel more like a a show that I would invest in, and also more people would invest in because it makes it more interesting. And so for me, when it didn't, when it's it kind of you know back and forth, back and forth. It just that to me when you when you combine that with the fact that it wasn't no it was no longer even loosely connected it was pretty much obvious that it's not a connected thing. Unfortunately, the characters even with Coulson and I, and May I love Coulson and May, and, and I like Daisy Johnson uh, you know Quake as well. The problem is and Mac I mean I like all those characters they're all yeah. great they're all solid characters. The problem is it just wasn't they aren't. To, in my opinion, interesting enough by themselves completely to warrant me coming back on a regular basis without including a major Marvel aspect of it. And I think that is where they could, because there's a lot of things they could have done, Sean, in my opinion, that could incorporate different things and maybe, maybe not up the budget, but make it more yeah. of a superhero show. And they and grant and granted that you have you can't really do that if you're trying to you know also combine to the MCU. But if you are if you know you're not part of it, start embracing these other aspects of it. You know, introduce new superheroes that maybe that the Avengers don't have to care about. Get a D lister out there. Get the Constrictor in there or something like that. You know, give me something. You know, and give them a costume that looks okay. Give it some pizzazz because that's why people are tuning in. They want to see the you know the Marvel universe expanded and. It just never, even you know, when it expanded it, it was great in my opinion. And I think those are the best episodes. When it didn't, it was just like we're gonna be a spy show, and it and it definitely didn't even tread that. It was that for a majority of its series. Um, it just was, you know, it's okay. Yeah. So it, it so it's really hard for me. To, and, and again, I could I, I could buy into that spy show aspect if it was warranting a greater narrative of a of a canonicity for the MCU. And when, once it really became obvious that it was kind of drifting away from that and it wasn't embracing that Marvel aspect, it became way, way less of a priority. Again, those characters are not bad characters and those actors are not bad actors. They're all really good actors. I love, and again, I liked a lot, I liked a lot of those characters. There just yeah. wasn't, they aren't, and again, in my opinion, even Coulson, and I love Coulson, they aren't, they aren't interesting enough by themselves to warrant a whole show around them supporting characters or, you know, incorporating them into the Marvel universe. Yes. Not by themselves as like, we'll just, you know, fight a bunch of ninjas, you know, may and Colson and and whatever. It's just that to me just wasn't as interesting as let's find out about, you know, Hydra or let's find out about, 
this or that, or, you know, going to the Cree or again, Sif and Lorelai coming in, you know, and all that stuff. That to me is what enhanced those characters when they're in the, the in over their heads, if you will, not just this is what, this is what we do. We fight other people in suits and ties and it gets old. Well, I think they had, they ended up having a lot more than that though. I mean, when you get into season three, and get into Hydra, like you get Grant Ward becoming Hive. And so like they had this show. I mean, some of this is just some of this stuff is is based on when you checked out. And I get when you checked out. But at the same time, like the, the show ended up having a lot of superhero elements into it, like starting in season two, but even more so in season three, as they had the inhuman outbreak and they were dealing with more inhuman characters and then even diving into Hydra because where the MCU kind of moved on from Hydra, right. S.H.I.E.L.D. kept exploring that through kind of season three and, and resolving that and then revisiting some of it in season seven. But I felt like they were they were diving into that and getting more and more into the superhero aspects of it. And at the same and then, of course, with season four, I mean, I was pleasantly surprised. Like when they announced Ghost Rider for season four and they started teasing that, I thought, how much are we really going to see Ghost Rider in this show? And I was pleasantly surprised by how much Ghost Rider we saw on the show. Now, is it as much as I wanted to see? Of course not. Uh, I don't know that there's ever enough Ghost Rider because Ghost Rider is awesome. But they ended up showing more than I thought. And so I mm. feel like the show and granted, I mean, I'm a fan of the show. So I'm coming from for the whole run. So I'm coming at it from a bit of a different perspective here. But sure. I felt like they ended up finding a lot of that balance. And I was interested in a lot of these characters, Mac. Um, other characters who got introduced over time, Yo-Yo was a great character. Melinda May, played by Disney legend Ming-Na Wen. Chloe Bennett as Daisy Johnson slash Sky. I still, I really love that character, and I thought that they had a, a really great cast and a really great ensemble that got better and better as the show went on. And I, I feel like and, and a couple of other additions to the cast who, this is another thing where Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., just had some bad luck. I mean, we talk about the circumstances with mm. the Marvel split and everything, but there were two other characters, Lance Hunter, uh, played by Nick Blood, and Bobby Morse, Mockingbird, played by Adrian Palicki, who left the show, I think season three, to go be in a spinoff, Marvel's Most Wanted, that didn't happen. And, you know, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's TV contracts or whatever, but like they didn't come back to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and so, like, you had these two characters who kind of were really, really good on that show, got served up good enough to get their own spinoff and got served up to go do the spinoff and were written out of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to set up their spinoff where just the two of them going on their own adventures. And then that doesn't happen. And so now Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has lost two really great characters. And, and of course, it still had other things going on. This is season three, and then they move into Ghost Rider with season four and had a great villain with Ada um, with the life model decoy and all of that stuff that they were doing with the framework in season four. So it, it got interesting. And then you going into season five, season five was great. And, and I, my issues with agents of shield is, as we'll you know transition into eventually, but it's more of uh, the last two seasons, season five of agents of shield, I thought was also great. And I also really thought that season five, had kind of the perfect ending for the show. Spoiler alert if you haven't been keeping up, but season five is years old at this point. Like eight, the the season five finale, it was it was created to serve as a series finale because they thought the showrunners did 
that that was it, that that was going to be the end of the show. And so it ends with Coulson dying, like for real and forever this time. I know Clark Gregg is still in the show in season six and seven, but that's not actually Agent Coulson. One of them is something else, and the other one in season seven is a life model decoy. So they had this great ending for Coulson, and there was also getting toward the end of that season, there were moments where it was kind of called into question whether or not this whole thing was really happening, or if this was Coulson still dying in the Avengers, or if this was all something that was being dreamt up or imagined. But no, it really happened. It really mattered. It really counted, regardless of what universe it was a part of or timeline it was a part of. And it ended in this way where there's the transition, where the, the team is going to live on, and Mac is going to be the director of S.H.I.E.L.D. And S.H.I.E.L.D. at this point has been revived in the... it Publicly, anyway, S.H.I.E.L.D. is now back in this timeline, not necessarily the MCU proper. They, didn't, they did not address that. But S.H.I.E.L.D. is back in this timeline, and we get this ending for Coulson and uh, with Melinda May because they end up together and Coulson's gonna, Coulson is dying and that's going to be the end of the show. And it really was this beautiful ending that I thought was perfect for the series. But then surprisingly for them, they ended up getting renewed for two more seasons as kind of a summer replacement and uh, shortened seasons instead of 22 episodes, 13 seasons for uh, season six and season seven. And... I, I would say that even as somebody who was uh, a dedicated fan of the show, who watched it week in, week out, season six did not do it for me. I thought season six was probably my least favorite season of the entire show. Even, uh, you know, I, I would still I would even take season one over season six because season one, the back half of season one, in my mind, makes it better than season six. And I thought season six really struggled, but I also understood why, because they wrote a perfect ending for their show, and then they had to tell more story with their show. And I think they kind of struggled with that in season six. I still think they even struggled with that for some of season seven, but what they did with the time in season seven, it's time traveling. They're doing their own Avengers Endgame time hopping sort of storyline in season seven. Not that I'm going to break it down and spoil it episode by episode, but the but what they were allowed to do is have a little more fun with that. So as they're going in different decades, they started uh, going with different genres of television. And so I still didn't feel like the story was all that necessary or all that well-earned or doing a lot of great work with the characters, but at least it was a lot more fun than season six. But then getting into the finale, and the finale is still new enough that I'm not going to spoil exactly what happens in the finale. But I thought the finale came together really, really well. And even though I still think season five is kind of the perfect ending for the show, season seven also delivered another really good ending for the show. And I, I feel like what it ended up doing was kind of solving a bit of the continuity issue and the canon issue with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, but I'll, I'll get into that in, in just a moment. But I, I would say this, you know, if you... At this point, you're so many episodes behind, Paul, and for anybody who hasn't caught up, I'm not going to say dedicate the time to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I really liked it. If you want to give it another look, go for it. But if it doesn't inspire you to keep watching and finishing out the series, I totally get it. I, I feel like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. had some struggles in season one, but delivered really high quality seasons two through five, dipped in season six and even a bit in season seven, but... But really, I, I thought brought it home strong with the with the series finale. I think one day I will. I think one day when I'm just in a giant Marvel mood and I'm just devouring all these different shows and all, I 
I think one day I'll finish even Jessica Jones season three and I'll, I'll just do a huge binge of, of, of the series. Cause like, again, I, I don't, I, I wanted one day, especially of all the shows I haven't seen in Marvel right now, agents of shield is definitely the one I, I really want to go and actually, you know, watch, um, one day, because again, I like those characters. I just wish there were more, there was more of a Marvel presence, you know, even more than what they already had, which was definitely better than the season one. But yeah, I, I definitely want to see these characters and and see them kind of, you know, I still have what half the series to watch basically. So there's, there is, I am going to watch it one day. I just don't know when, and it may, it may be like 10 years from now, you know, who knows? But yeah, I will one day, and I I don't know. I'm pretty sure they make uh, Melinda May. Is she in the comic books? I want to say she is. I could have um, sworn she is. Yeah, I, I think she is too. But I'll yeah. double check. I'm pretty sure she popped up. Yeah, I would love to see her, and I'm pretty sure she is. But if she's not, um, I really hope they put her in because I I really like that character. The uh, the Calvary episode. I remember just really liking. Um, you know, and again, I like those episodes of, of fleshing out their characters, but you know, when they're pushing their own, this own major narratives going forward, I'm there for the Marvel, not for necessarily them um, sure. at this point. So, and that's, and again, and I, even you bring up a great point, they definitely got better season two and three again. And just, but again, I, I think the reason they couldn't, they couldn't embrace that Marvel's, I think the budgetary reasons there's to do those things. It, it costs money and, and, yeah. and what's, and what's face it too the the model that they were in was the old outdated model in my opinion of, of doing superhero shows and i think now with streaming services you can now devote your budget not just the 22 episodes trying to like you know fit all this time in for you know right uh, commercials but hey we can actually just do like eight episodes and make it look amazing and people are going to watch it over and over and over again and people are going to invest money into it etc cetera, etc cetera. so that that is the new model. The streaming model is the new model where you're getting, you know, not t- 22 episodes, but you're getting 10 episodes. And I know that I think they definitely lowered the, the episode limit for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. later on, but I doubt they're giving it a more overall uh, oh, budget. Oh, no. The, the budget went down in season six and seven. And it, it's pretty yeah. obvious. I mean, the finale was expensive. They spent some sure. money on the finale. But season six and seven, there's... And even... Some of, even some of season five, there's a fair amount of this, but there's a lot of, and they've even joked about it. The showrunners have about there's a lot of scenes, people just walking and talking in dark corridors, um, mm. you know, like just really, really blank sets that just weren't all that great, and and, and that's where the the quality of the show dipped, is it felt like only so much story could be told because they couldn't really move things outside of these dark hallways that they were hanging out in. Um, or, you know, a darkened Zephyr one set. So they definitely came up against some constraints in seasons six and and season seven. And, um, and even as I said before that you could start feeling some of that in, in in a little bit of season five, but I still feel like even with that, there was, and granted at that point though, I was so invested in the show that that's, you know, part of why I was, even though I wasn't loving season six, I was still back for season seven, Mm -hmm. but I, I definitely agree, though, that where Agents of Shield, it's funny to, to say that it was outdated when it was among the first of kind of the the mainstream superhero genre shows that ended up coming out in the early part of the early ish part 
of the 2010s. I know there were superhero shows before that, Smallville and, and shows even way before that. But when we had kind of the explosion of superhero television, similar to what we had seen in the movies, of course, with the Arrowverse on CW, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was among the first of that group. And yet, yeah, we did start seeing how this model of making television shows, it's kind of old in general, but it's also not really the best format for superhero properties. And I, I think that's, I mean, the good news is that a lot of the stuff that hampered Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. won't be an issue for the Marvel Studios Disney Plus series, not just for budgetary reasons, but also it's Marvel Studios making it. So you don't have a separate division of a company making something where another division says, yes, you can have this. No, you can't have that. Because as you're talking about with some of the things that you wanted to see more of in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they also wanted to see more of that. I mean, Jeffrey Bell told the story in one of the spoiler interviews for the finale how at one point they wanted to use MODOK in the series and they were told that they could and then they were told that they couldn't, which means MODOK is probably going to pop up in the MCU proper sooner than later, maybe Ant-Man 3, as has been rumored. But, you know, they had things that they wanted to do. And, and MODOK is just an example. I would imagine this happened several times where there were things that they wanted to do, but mm -hmm. Marvel Studios had plans either for movies or as it got later on in the run for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Disney Plus series which is why it makes sense for Marvel to be organized the way that they are now, to have Kevin Feige be the chief creative officer of the big and the small screen. So that way you don't have this, you know, you don't have one side just taking what they can from the other side. Everything is part of one cohesive vision that I think is going to allow each individual piece of content that they make to be better and to really matter within the overall continuity. But Getting into the issue of continuity for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. before we uh, get before we get into some of the questions that we have here. I think the, the main thing, the main point I would make about continuity with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. beyond anything else and beyond what I'm about to say to even define continuity for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is that it doesn't really matter. And the reason I say that is because I feel like there's a, a lot of pressure to make Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fit within the canon of the MCU or define how it absolutely fits within the MCU. And if it fits within the MCU in your mind, that's great. And, and I would also say that, you know, for some people, they say, well, look, seasons one and two definitely seem to be canon with the MCU and therefore the entire show is. I think there are a lot of discrepancies that would suggest otherwise. But I don't really care. Everybody can make their own, make up their own mind with continuity in their own head and, and how it lands for them. And I'll explain how it lands for me in a moment. But the issue with continuity, though, is I feel like in some of those conversations, it's almost like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. needs continuity with the greater MCU in order to be legitimate. And I don't feel it needs that. I think Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was a really good television show that was on for several years for 136 episodes. And most of those episodes were very we're good to great that's enough that's enough for agents of shield for me it doesn't need to be any more than that i don't need it to tie in with any other broader marvel cinematic universe or any of that agents of shield is legitimate in my eyes and it matters because of the great stories they told with the great characters that were in that show in my opinion now getting into where agents of shield lands in my head canon so to speak there are discrepancies. I talked about the Inhuman outbreak, the public return of S.H.I.E.L.D., 
There's also the issue of the snap or blip never appears to have happened in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. even at, even by the end of the show with season seven. That part, I, you know, I, I also understand, though, that there was an extended cut of the season seven finale where they did talk about the snap. I think there are enough discrepancies to say Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. isn't firmly canon with the prime MCU timeline. But what Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. also establishes in season seven they established time travel through the quantum realm and jumping between timelines through the quantum realm, not unlike we saw in Avengers Endgame. And the idea of multiple timelines, including changing the past doesn't change the future, that also comes up in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because people's parents die and they don't disappear and they still remember things of their previous life. So changing the past doesn't change the future. It has that same non-back-to-the-future logic in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which to me says if the multiverse and multiple timelines exist in the MCU, as established in Avengers Endgame with Loki having the Tesseract in a different timeline now, and that's going to be a Disney Plus series, that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., in my view, it's canon with the Marvel Cinematic Multiverse aspect of the MCU. It's one of the timelines. In the infinite timelines in the MCU, or that the MCU timeline is a part of, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is one of those. And that's why it has some similarities with the timeline that we know. And it has other differences. And, and it has other things that, are, that don't necessarily fit with the same timeline. Because it may be it's part of the same universe or multiverse, but not part of the exact same timeline. And I think that's perfectly okay. And you get two different versions of it of what if Coulson really died in the Battle of New York versus what if Coulson didn't die in the Battle of New York. And that just increases the significance of Agent Coulson within the broader picture of the Marvel Cinematic Multiverse. So that's kind of where my head canon is mm. for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's in the multiverse. It's an alternate timeline from the prime MCU timeline, but it's still in there somewhere. And as I said, none of that really matters anyway. It's the show that matters. It's the characters that matter and the stories that they told. And so I, I think Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. will always have a place in my heart, regardless of where it's at in the broader picture of the MCU. That's a really cool way of looking at it. I having a different kind of prime to you know, an offshoot, an offshoot, you know, what if again, the what if kind of mentality, if uh, Coulson lived, um, I, I, I do think canonicity matters to, in, in a little bit. And I think that to me, in a sense to where it doesn't matter for, if you're for you yourself, period, like as far as if you like it and it's just like, um, I don't know if I like Daredevil season one and two and three. I mean, I love those shows. Are they part of the canon universe? No, but it does bum me out and it does affect my enjoyment a little bit. The fact that they were kind of quasi part of the universe and yeah. not really at all. But and you still love the those three seasons of Daredevil because they're really yeah, good, right? No, no, I agreed. But the, I guess the thing is, the, di the, the difference is what I think with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is that it's even more tight. It, it tried to even tie itself more into, we had appearances of Samuel Jackson. So yeah. it definitely, it's a little bit of a bummer that it kind of does that for me. And, and I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to discredit that. Cause I think that definitely goes into it, a, you know, more, more so than at least for me, than, than you, it definitely affects it more. But at the same time, you're right that, in the end, if you love the show, it doesn't matter. Like like Daredevil, for instance, I love that show to death and will hold that in high esteem forever. So it, it, it that doesn't matter. But I, I definitely do think the canonicity is the fact that it, it's not a direct thing. It definitely can affect, my, you know, at least for me and my enjoyment. 
And I don't, if it affects your enjoyment in, in the audience, I totally get it. And I understand. And, and again, you just gotta, we, it's, it's unfortunate, but you just have to like Sean embrace it. Look at, I, I actually love Sean's, uh, I love your, your, your whole idea of this, this whole different multiverse and how this is, you know, one of the, you know, maybe another timeline with, without the right. stone. And I love that. And I, and, and, and I don't, and so I think if that is some way that they could project that in, into the show or it did, that's great. And I think I love that. So in the end, like you said, is the show great? You love the show. That's all that matters. But if, but if connecting to the MCU is a part of that mattering, I totally get it. Cause I'm in the same boat too. So, but in the end, it's, it's ultimately what matters to you. If, if being connected right. is ultimate matters, well, then don't get me yeah. wrong. I think being canon and, and being in continuity, I think a lot of that stuff is fun. I, I really do. But it's not something that can actually make or break a show. And the perfect example is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season one when it was connected mm-hmm. so much more. Like the, the connections to the MCU proper yeah. were a lot stronger, were a lot more obvious. As you said, you had... Appearances from Maria Hill, you have Lady Sif, you have uh, Nick Fury. So we get all of these characters and even some of that again in, in season two. But as I remember kind of the, the chorus of reviews at the time, which was all this show has going for it is its continuity, is its connections to the MCU. And that's not good enough. And so I, I think that while that part of it can be fun, it's always more of an added bonus it still has to work as an individual story, kind of like the movies of the MCU. Yeah, it's great that they're connected and, and part of this long-form serialized narrative, but your individual experience with that individual movie still has to work, and, and, and that still is the most important thing. And so Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., maybe it's missing a little bit of that something extra in terms of connectivity, although I think that it is connected to the MCU, just maybe not in the way that we originally thought it was, and so, you know, that connectivity, it's, it is worth something, but it's not the deciding factor on whether or not a show is any good. And yeah. it's not going to, and it's not in and of itself, the lack of connectivity is not going to completely turn you off to a show that you are otherwise enjoying with an example being, as I said, Daredevil. So I, I'm not saying that continuity doesn't matter at all. I'm saying what it's not, it's, I mean, I did say it doesn't matter, but the, the point that I was trying to make that I can state better now is that it's, it's more of, it doesn't matter in the sense of it's not what legitimizes a story. Canon is not what legitimizes a story. It can enhance a story and make it a little more fun, but the story itself and the characters within it, that's what you need in order to legitimize yeah. a story. And I think agents of shield did that. Um, for most of its 136 episodes, which is why uh, why I enjoyed it so much and why I was there all the way until the end. Yeah. So before we wrap up, let's get into uh, let's get into some questions here. Our first one comes from Kevin Novinsky. I'll take this one because Paul, you're not caught up on the show. Uh, what was your favorite title card slash opening this season? My favorite was the uh, was the 1970s opening from A Trout in the Milk and. Just for reference, for those of you who didn't see the final season, this was part of the fun of it that I talked about as they were time hopping. So in the 70s, there was an episode called A Trout in the Milk that took place in 1973. And so they went into this 70s style opening of like a 70s style, you know, cop drama or whatever. 
and it was really fun. And they did a lot of that, you know, with 70s themes, 80s themes, 50s themes. I mean, they did a lot of different things playing around with genre as they were going through this time hopping in the last season. But the 70s opening was definitely my favorite. Uh, next question comes from Mac Lady Rose. Where slash when do you see Coulson showing up next? Um, I don't know that I see Coulson mm-hmm. showing up again. Yeah. I mean, it falls into the never say never category. But I mean, technically, that's not Coulson in season six or seven of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So Coulson has never returned in the prime MCU timeline. And even within the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. timeline, he's been gone since the end of season five. So I kind of feel like Coulson's story has been wrapped up. I don't really know that that there's a whole lot else to do with Coulson at, at this point. Now, Marvel can always invent something to do with Coulson, mm-hmm. and, and maybe they'll they'll change their minds on it. But I'm not really looking for Coulson anywhere else, because even if we say, let's go back in time, well, they did that as well in Captain Marvel. So at this point... Your, your prime MCU timeline for Coulson, your space there is between 1995 in Captain Marvel and 2012 when he dies in Avengers. Now, I mean, that's still a 17-year period, so that's still a lot of ground, but how many Marvel stories do I anticipate being told in that, in that time period? Not that many, um, and I don't know that they'll go back to, uh, to Agent Coulson in any of those time periods because they already did the here's what young Coulson is like in Captain Marvel. So at this point, uh, never say never. And there's always a a surprise cameo that could pop up at at any point. That's always there. Um, So with that caveat right now, I I don't have anything that that jumps out to me though, is where I'm expecting Colson to pop up next. Pop up next in the comic books, Jason Aaron's run. He's in that. There you go. Um, I mean, I guess the other thing to throw out there is with the Disney plus shows, I mean, there's so much more story that's going to be told in the MCU. So maybe that opens the door for Coulson to come up. I I will say that I'm never going to be tired of seeing Phil Coulson. And since we haven't seen actually seen Phil Coulson since the end of season five, if they have a great story idea for the character, I'd be happy to see him again. I just don't really have any idea of when exactly that would be. Um, But who knows? I mean, if we get to, a big Marvel story at some point that's connecting multiple eras of the MCU, then yeah, sure. Coulson could be brought back in that scenario as well. Uh, last question that we have comes from Lord shell. This is not about agents of shield. This is about scrolls, uh, bad scrolls. I think dealing with good and bad scrolls would be fascinating. I agree. Um, I, I love what they did in captain Marvel of just getting rid of the idea of an entire race would be evil. Um, so I, I really love what they did in that movie, but just because the scrolls that we met in Captain Marvel weren't bad, it doesn't mean that there aren't bad scrolls out there. And I think that's something that Kevin Feige has acknowledged. So the idea of some, uh, some scrolls with ill intent who might do a, a secret invasion type of thing in the MCU at some point feels likely some version of it. I, I don't really know, but yeah, I'm, I'm totally up for that as, as an idea to see in the MCU. Yeah, bad scrolls. To be honest, I kind of like the fact they're kind of good guys. And I don't really want them to be. How about this? I mean, I'm okay with Super Scroll being bad. If they go that with Fantastic Four, I'm I'm okay with that. If there's like a rogue, uh, you know, radicalized uh, scroll, kind of like, you know, Ronin with the Kree from Guardians of the Galaxy, that mm-hmm. I'm, I would be into that. I, 
I would be in, into that as well. But if yeah. for no other reason than to see the Super Scroll using all of the Fantastic Four's powers against them. Which, to be honest, I mean, that with the Scrolls already, already being introduced, that could be the, the first villain, to yeah. be honest. I mean, that really well, very well could be. It could be a little too Ronin, you know, maybe. But, uh, but no, that being said, I don't. I like the idea that scrolls aren't necessarily just outright bad because growing up in the in in the comics, they're very much looked as like bad guys. Oh yeah. In fact, the Cree the Cree and the, the 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 scrolls are bad guys basically, but they're both bad guys at war with each other. But the thing is, there's more there 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 are a few more good Cree than there were good scrolls. But that with with for for me, there just needs to be a I don't know. I like the idea of the fact that scrolls are not bad, outright bad. And that was one of the things I, lo- I loved about Captain Marvel was that they're, they're, these scrolls are not your typical villains. It kind of, again, there's a little bit of a twist. And I like the idea that they're not going to be the bad guys going forward. And like you said, Sean, there might there might be a few exceptions. And I think that's a better way to do it than having have an outright, these are the bad guy, you know, things. Right. And, and to be honest, they very well couldn't, they may never be the bad guys, but look at Civil War, right? What? That's a great point. Yeah. You could see they're, why they're, they're going up against someone or whatever that they, you could kind of see their point. They might be making the wrong decision, but you see their side of it. So I think that's the closest thing we're going to come to it. It's not going to be an outright, they're outright evil trying to, just, right. you know, destroy Earth. And that's, that's kind of something that even the Kree have had in Marvel comics as well, where yep. sometimes they're the bad guys, but sometimes they might be on the same side as the heroes in some huge cosmic conflict in the scrolls. Maybe right now everything is aligned with, I mean, we see Nick Fury hanging out with him in the post credit scene for Spider-Man far from home. So there is some form of a, of an alliance there, but yeah, you could, it could be a situation where there's, some conflict where they just have a different perspective on it than maybe our our Earthborn Avengers have or, or heroes have on it. And so they do end up on the opposite side. And it's not necessarily a good or evil thing. It's a, as a matter of perspective, as, as you said. I mean, a great example of that being Civil War. I mean, I, I do like the idea of there maybe being some bad scrolls. And if they want mm-hmm. to do a secret invasion thing, I could potentially be into it. I would also say, though, that secret invasion is not one of the storylines that I am like just absolutely ready to see in the MCU. If we get something like that, cool. If we don't, I'm also fine with that. I'm not desperate to see Secret Invasion uh, adapted in the MCU. But, uh, of course, the idea of Bad Scrolls, including the Super Scroll, that's something that I could definitely be uh, into, potentially. So, before we wrap up, before we get out of here, I just want to make sure we take a moment to say some thank yous. So thank you to Joseph M, Greg S, George Z, Jared W, Ryan, Paul, a different Paul, Ross R, and Aaron S. They are some of the patrons over at patreon.com slash Sean Gerber. That's S-E-A-N-G-E-R-B-E-R. I know we changed that for Marvel Studios News. That's just because Patreon, uh, in order to save money for people now that I'm launching new podcasts, I can bundle things if there's one Patreon because I launched this week the DC Fan Show and Patreon content for that is forthcoming. But the Patreon is what allows you to have exclusive content, exclusive podcasts that are not available anywhere else. And we also have like a Patreon credit scene where we do we discuss an additional topic besides what we do here on the main show. So for this episode, our Patreon credit scene, 
We're going to focus on Olivia Wilde directing an untitled Marvel movie for Sony that is probably an adaptation of Spider-Woman. But we also have community events via our Patreon-exclusive Discord. So there's office hour sessions where they're just voice chat sessions, but we also have watch parties, as I mentioned at the top of the show, and Man and the Wasp, Friday, August 21st at 6 p.m. Pacific time. So for more information on all of the exclusives that we offer and our Discord, please visit patreon.com slash Sean Gerber, S-E-A-N-G-E-R-B-E-R. Don't forget to follow us on social media, all the places you can, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We are at MCU Fan Show. And you can also keep up with, well, Paul, actually, where can they keep up with you? You can keep up with me on Twitter at Herman22 with two N's, a.k.a. P-Thug. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Sean Gerber. Again, Sean spelled S-E-A-N. And don't forget, if you can, please take a moment to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We would very much appreciate it. But for now, for Paul, I'm Sean Gerber. Take care. We'll see you next time.